I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome my liberated and revolutionized guest, Monica Rogers. Monica is an advocate for the full actualization of women. She helps women to really experience personal liberation and awakening through what she created as the Revelation Project, which guides women through their inner revolution, helping to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to embrace radical self-acceptance. We have this incredible conversation that goes all over the place regarding the return of the divine feminine and what that means and how we do our own work of revelation by going down into the discarded parts of ourselves and reclaiming ourselves so that we may be whole and bring ourselves forth in our full, complete beauty and glory. And we have this whole conversation on Women's International Day. So appropriate. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hey, Whitney, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So excited to have you on International Women's Day. Yay. I didn't even know that when we booked this. I had no idea. I've totally forgot that it's in March and that it's today. I know. And it's today. The theme this year is actually breaking the bias which, oh. which I love. And it's all about kind of this idea of closing the gender gap. And, and I think, you know, what, what I loved most about kind of really um, looking into this year's theme was getting really related to what I see going on in the world and, um, and it being particularly relevant with what's going on with Ukraine and recognizing that a couple of things, one, I don't know if, if, your listeners realize this, but actually this is the least violent time in our history, even though we're seeing what's going on in the Ukraine, right? Which is, is I think we're all feeling the impact in different ways. But the other thing that I really find so fascinating about what's happening is that we're seeing the world responding in, in, a, in some ways in a lot of unity that we haven't seen before. And where I also see a lot of room for improvement is getting women at every negotiating table and leadership table around the world, because what I've learned is that the very presence of women actually creates a different energy in a room. And so we can tend to underestimate our impact and think that we need to know so much more in order to sit at those tables, but actually our very presence is enough. Yeah. Yeah. And that presence, thankfully, is becoming greater and greater, I think slowly, but surely, um, which is so important. And it is, you know, I think it, I'm glad that you highlighted that because I've heard that for a while now that there's so much at the forefront that seems like things are very dismal and bleak and that, you know, the, the state of the world is horrible and and there is a lot of room for improvement and there is a lot of struggle and there's a lot of change needed. However, it it is 
a lot of things have dropped in terms of rates of violence and murder and crime and all that, it's actually lower. It's going Mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think it's more still our experience that is not ideal. And well, and it's also just really the amplification, you know, it's like if it, if it bleeds, it leads in the media and it, you know, and that can just tend to really kind of like activate, um, all of us. Right. Because it's intended to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, a big question. And to me that relates to our favorite topic, which when we first had our intro call, we of course dove right into the return of the divine feminine, but it's the idea that, you know, how much longer are we going to go on this way where we do things like if it bleeds, it leads, we do whatever is going to great, greater profit, greater power, greater, you know, all these things, but at what cost? Well, the cost is it keeps us all in fear and stressed and anxious. So we're doing, we still, yes, like in general, I think humans are becoming less violent and wanting to cultivate more of a loving existence, but still when it comes to profit and power, it's all going to, it always comes back to sort of encouraging, inspiring fear in people because that keeps people engaged and spending money (laughs) basically. Mm -hmm. So it's to me, the divine feminine is that, that wisdom, right? To me, feminine is always that sort of wise self that is able to see the bigger picture. And it's asking how long can this go on? How long can we pretend that all that matters is, you know, what shines, what glitters, you know, that's not it. It's not just all about like the sizzle. We have to think about our essence, our being, our experience. And I think more and more people are yearning for a more meaningful experience, you know, because we're so unhappy overall, you know, I mean, yes, you know, a lot of rates of things are, are going lower, but we still have really high rates of depression and suicide and, you know, low life satisfaction, because even when people have it all or have what they thought they wanted, we're still not really right with ourselves in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, I love what you're pointing to, which is that this is where the work begins. And I think, um, you know, that we can tend to, um, you know, overlook the fact that sometimes these things are happening for us versus to us. And if we can remember that kind of the last place we tend to go is within, um, mostly because we've been conditioned, um, you know, in this culture to seek outside of ourselves. Um, But when we actually go within and feel, right, these, some of these energies like a depression, um, oftentimes we can tend to think there's something wrong with us and that we need to medicate ourselves because we, we must be going crazy because in this culture, we don't normalize that that's actually part of the initiation it's called a descent. It's called a dark night of the soul. And it's a rite of passage that actually brings us into a more elevated, once we're kind of through it, a more elevated and transcendent understanding of what's actually going on. It's it's all about being able to like look at the illusion before us and kind of know deeply at a cellular level that what we're experiencing in a lot of ways is an outer reflection of what we're still struggling with on the inside. And as we get more and more um, 
I would say like, as we remember who we are, as we go on these descents to find these abandoned pieces of ourselves that we had to abandon in order to kind of belong to this society, that this part of it is what I call the unbecoming process, which is where we actually start to unravel that conditioning and find our true selves and remember ourselves whole again. Wow. Okay. So you just described my life right now, (laughs) I have to say, and I want to share that because maybe it'll be helpful for someone to hear this, but I I feel like I've been going through a dark night of the soul for a while now, um, almost a year, but more like specifically like six months. And you know, what you just said makes so much sense because when I think about it, we never leave a situation until it gets so bad that we can't stand it anymore right? Well, we'll stay, if something's comfortable enough, even if it's not that great, we'll stay there until it's just so awful that we feel we're forced to change. And I think that is what a dark night of the soul is, is where we recognize we're not aligned with what our true path is, what our true soul's calling is. And we, it's, we feel it so strongly that we finally have to change, but it is, it does result in that giving up of what we once knew. Right. Yeah. Well, and there's the snake, right? We 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 had chosen an oracle card, right? And it's the shedding of the skin. It can be really uncomfortable. And I just want to honor what you said because you know, my journey started with an incredible dark night of the soul, like to the point where I wasn't sure I was going to survive it. Um, in fact, that call, that inner call to go within is not for the faint of heart. You know, that in many ways, it, it truly is an initiation because what we have to do is we have to reckon with the shadows, you know, that keep us believing in the illusion, that keep us believing in our unworthiness or in our, right? And and just because we go through a dark night of the soul, it doesn't mean it's all okay suddenly. It just means that we're, again, we've remembered some pieces about ourselves and to journey in that way is so sacred. And it's, it's such a big part, I think, of our process as women, which again, we don't talk about in this society because we have history, but we don't have her story. And the heroine's journey is very different from the hero's journey. The heroine's journey is a journey back to wholeness where, and it's all about going inside. And the hero's journey is all exterior. And so you see how, again, we need both and we need to be able to integrate both. But until we do the work as a woman to go in to have this dark night, you know, or initiation, we we kind of are always seeking our wholeness out there and it's not out there. It's in yeah. here. It's not out there. It's not. And that there out there is where we um, bring into physicality what we, you know, what is our passion in our heart, right? I think that's the glory of life is we have this great privilege of discovering who we are within. And then once we find that, we can bring it forth and make it manifest, which can be amazing However, just as you said, when we kind of flip things upside down and say, you only are what there's nothing inside, you're just, you're purely production. You're purely what you bring forth. And you, then you just feel empty and you just, you're running on fumes, trying to keep creating and producing and doing things externally. And I think that's the case where most of us find ourselves. And to your point, I think that those of us who get initiated in this lifetime, it's maybe we've gone through many lifetimes where we had sort of an empty experience. And finally we're like, I can't do this. I think I need to actually discover who I truly am. And you're right. It's not for the faint of heart. It's very, 
you know, I think none of us really like discomfort. Nobody really likes to feel like totally uprooted and, and just, you know, amiss and depressed or anxious. It's uncomfortable, but you know, again, there's never really change without leaving behind, you know, the shakes, the, the shake, the snake shedding its skin, right. That's it has right. to let go of what it knew for a while to get that fancy new skin. <laughs> the butterfly, right. right? When you think of a yeah. butterfly, they literally go into their cocoon and they become liquid goo. <laughs> before right. they become, so they have to trust at a certain point, they're like, I just, you know, liquefied. <laughs> I don't know who I am. They just have to trust. And I'm sure at a certain point they had kind of a existential crisis in there, but then they come out of butterflies. So yeah, I just appreciate you bringing that up because it's so um, much my experience right now. And, and I think so much, anybody who's drawn to this podcast is probably in some way experiencing that in this lifetime, because that's what this whole podcast is about is that calling to yeah. come forth with what that stirring inside of you to what's true, to what's real, to what really wants to be known and heard. That's right. And, you know, I also think that we're going through, in many cases, a collective night of the dark night of the soul as well. And so, you know, I, I, I always joke around and say, you know, it's like the apocalypse, right? Like these very apocalyptic times. But if you were to look at that, the root of that word, what it means is to reveal, is to lift the veils. And so what we're seeing is a time actually of great revelation. And what I always say is like, we can't heal it until we reveal it. And we can't, we, we, first we have to feel it too, you know, and that's, these are, you know, what we're talking about here are feminine values, right? We were talking about how we've been socially conditioned in a, in a very male-centric world. And so as women are awakening to your point, we're starting to recognize that our journey is very different and ours is a journey of going inward. Now, does that mean men don't have to do that too? Of course they do, right? We're all, we all have elements of that masculine and feminine that I believe are that part of this integrative process. It's like the first half of our life is the conditioning. The second half is the unconditioning, right? There are these constant paradoxes that we're dancing with. So I love, you know, this subject because what you also brought up is that it's uncomfortable, but I, I always say that comfort is really killing us. It's not an ally. It's not where we're supposed to dwell. And I'm not saying like, oh, we need to be uncomfortable all the time. But I think that we can misinterpret um, discomfort. Like I love that when we do get out of the comfort zone, we experience the zone of revelation. Like that's, revelations don't happen inside the comfort zone. They actually are very much a part of, you know, moving out of that and seeking and, and knowing a, a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I had a good reminder because I was meeting with a friend the other day and just telling her how frustrated I was because everything feels so challenging and nothing's coming together. And we've known each other for a few years now. And she said, well, you know, you're, you're definitely different than you were when I first met you. You've grown a lot. And just something about that really hit me because I thought, oh, well, good. <laughs> like, and then I thought, well, good. I'm glad that I stuff happened in the past few years. It was challenging because then I, if it hadn't, I probably wouldn't have grown. And it really made me realize, well, right now is a really challenging time for me, but that, because that's me, that means that there's something 
happening, that growth is happening, that challenge causes growth, right? It's when we're challenged to change everything we thought we knew and to be, you know, innovative and have to be resourceful and, you know, just roll with things and change and surrender to our, you know, transformation and transitioning that, you know, we do grow. And, you know, I, I feel grateful for that looking back, you know, when my friend said that I thought, Oh, good. Well, I'm glad that the past few years were kind of hard. But at the time I was like, Oh gosh, this is, you know, these are hard lessons. This is hard work I'm doing. So, yeah, I think that again, we don't, we like to feel comfortable. We don't like to feel any form of discomfort. That's another sort of, um, you know, tendency of our culture is the instant gratification that keeps us you know, kind of in trouble, which is that we want the quick fix rather than actually looking to the source, which again, kind of keeps us at surface level, right? You know, if we have an ache or a pain, we have every type of pill to take to make it go away, which, you know, not to knock modern medicine, it can be wonderful. It relieves people of severe suffering. However, it keeps us from having to really look at where that's coming from and why Mm -hmm. there's a repeated thing. And that's definitely a theme in our culture is let's not really look at what's going on. Let's just get back to it. We're always getting, get back to it. Keep going, keep going, just keep pushing. Just, you got this hurt and we'll just fix it really quick and then you can go. But you know, if you don't actually address it, it stays down there. And that makes me think of, you know, you mentioned reclaiming sort of the um, rejected or the parts of ourselves that we've sort of lost along the way. And I think that most people later in life, when they have emotional struggles, a lot of it is related to events in early life where they did, it was so hard or so troubling that they just couldn't look at it. So they kind of almost like try to cut it out of their reality of their story and be like, well, I'll just, we'll just forget about that. But you can't cut out a part of yourself. You're always you, you're always a a whole. And if you try to cut it out, it's going to be like this, like epicenter. That's like begging to come back. If that makes sense. It's going to call you. I call it the ghosts. I mean, we, we, you know, it's, it's, it, those are really, it's like our, those are our inner ghosts that will kind of continue to haunt us until we go back for them. They will haunt us. You're Mm -hmm. so, I also wanted to, so you pulled a card for us, Monica, from what was the deck, the shaman Oh, it was the Mystical Shaman Oracle, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. Such a fantastic deck. And I I shared with you that, and you pulled the serpent, which feels very profound and pertinent right now, shedding your skin, the change. I mean, the serpents are so powerful. I love snakes. And also the thing about a serpent is they're on the ground, right? So they're so Mm -hmm. connected with the earth and Mm -hmm. with mother earth, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But what I was going to share is that I, back in October, I picked up and I moved and I went on a journey. I went on a, a, a big adventure because I felt the calling. I felt like something stirring that was like, I need to have movement. Something needs to, I didn't know what it was, but it was just what you said. I needed to reclaim those parts of myself and I didn't know it. And a few weeks into my trip, I was having really strong, just like emotional upheaval and all this, all this stuff from my past was coming up. And I was like, what is going on? So I reached out to a friend and I said, can you please like pull a card for me or do a reading? And she used that deck and she pulled the card that was the lower worlds. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever seen that card, but it's basically all about, it says you're going down into the darker parts of our reality to reclaim the lost parts of yourself. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that hit so hard because Again, you know, I'm 35. I'm a therapist. I have a business. I'm like, I'm on my way. I'm fine. I'm good. Like I'm setting out. But it was the universe was like, no, you've left pieces of yourself behind. You're you're trying to race out onto this new part of life. And there's these, these chains still attached to you because you're leaving yourself behind. 
And again, it's like an inconvenient truth, right? It's like, what? I thought that was done. I thought that I'd forgotten those memories and those distresses. And, you know, but the reality of life is um, even this lifetime is just one piece of a bigger puzzle. And we think if we can just skip a few parts, like do some shortcuts, but everything is eventually going to have to be faced, whether it's this left lifetime or the next. And I think that there's something to people on this planet right now. There's a quickening where like people are wanting to get it done. It's like, all right, fine. I'll go reclaim those parts. I'll do the, get the karma aligned. I'll walk my karmic path because I think a lot of us have been doing this for many lifetimes. That's my belief. And I think a lot of us are like, we came here at this time to really heal this space because this space could use some healing. And I think that's what we're seeing because you said it's a revolution. It absolutely is. Yeah. Well, and what we're seeing is actually like, this is such a powerful time. This is a time that's been prophesized for centuries, yep. Yep. you know? And so if, if we were to actually look at some of the prophecy, um, it, it gets really fascinating when we start to think about how in the indigenous cultures and the dream cultures, you know, they have seen this time for, again, through, through dreams for centuries. And even if these indigenous tribes are in very different locations like Ecuador and Australia and Peru, they're having these same dreams. And so it's very interesting. Um, there's one of those dreams is about the eagle and the condor. And the eagle and the condor, the eagle represents the, the modern world and the condor represents the indigenous and the ancient world. And it's about, this time is about creating a bridge between the two so that the eagle and the condor can work together, right? In co-equal partnership to create the new world. And you again, you have that masculine and feminine coming together to create something new. Same with another prophecy, which um, is by the Baha'i culture, and it's it's this prophecy of the bird of humanity. And in this prophecy, um, which one of my dear mentors, Lynn Twist, always tells this story, and I love oh, it so I know, much. Lynn. Yeah, I met her once at a um, fundraiser for Marian Williamson when she was yes. like, the president. She was yes. super cool. I got to go to her house in like San Francisco. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so good. House. Yeah. And that's where I'm headed next week. So, um, but I love her, the way that she describes the bird of humanity, because it's like the right wing of the bird has been overextended. Right. And it's, it's, it's almost become violent because it's so, it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to equal it out. And so it is flying in circle. And this century is all about the strengthening of the left wing of the bird so that the bird of humanity can soar together, right. To be integrated and flying. Right. So again, this time is a very revelatory time. It is what I say is kind of like when I think about the book of Revelation, right, in the Bible and how the Bible is responsible for sanctioning so much of kind of this oppression of women and the feminine. Um, I think what John of God or John of Potmos was talking about when he wrote the book of Revelation was about the, these times and really the death of the ego, which is what keeps us in the comfort zone. The ego doesn't want, you know, the ego is afraid of like, and the ego also, when we really think about it, it's a very uninitiated um, part of us, right? And so again, if we go back to indigenous cultures, 
there's a rite of passage when you pass from, let's say, maidenhood into mother, right? There's a rite of passage when you go from boyhood into manhood. We don't have those rites of passage. And so unfortunately, there's aspects of us that never mature and grow up. And so you have a lot of inner children running the world. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would say, well, and we're seeing that more and more. There's sort of this, you know, an epidemic of, you know, a lot. There's um, there's a lot of narcissism, right? And I think narcissism is just, it is a child that becomes an adult and still thinks with the child mindset was that I should get everything I want all the time. And I'm mm-hmm. the most important person in the world. And we all have that to some degree because you're totally right. We really just get thrown into this world. And from the second we're here, there's just so much messaging about, again, just go, 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 get gain, be seen a certain way. Oh my gosh, you're, you're so impressive. You're so smart. You're so attractive. And then you get all this notoriety and then everyone else feels like, oh, like if, if you're not that, if you're not impressive, then you just lost out, which means we give like this much value to the soul and everything to the ego, right? The ego is everything to us because we are in the greater scheme of things, a very young species, right? We're still kind of like adolescents, children of in the timeline of things. So this, I feel this is what we're seeing as a pivotal point in our growth as if, you know, the macro versus micro, if the macro is the human species and the micro is our individuality, we're, we're a teenager and we're like, Ooh, I want to do all the fancy fun stuff and not care about my, the repercussions of my actions, which is exactly what our planet's going through, right? We just do whatever the heck we want at the cost of our poor planet. And a lot of people who get pushed at the bottom and they're just getting stampled on and they're not taken care of. They don't have their basic needs met. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I really believe that hundreds of years from now, we're going to look back and this time in our life will be sort of a parable of, you know, we'll tell our children, well, one time there used to be a time where billions of people on the planet had no food and they starved to death and other people lived in giant mansions and have billions of dollars. And I think people will say, what? No, that's not true. There's no way that tr- that's true. Because I think at a certain time to an evolved person or species, that's incomprehensible, but it's, it's where we are now. And I think that there, that's why there's so, uh, so much unrest for all of us is that because we're all connected, if one of us suffers, all of us feel it. And we deny that because we're so in the ego. We think, no, as long as I'm taken care of, I'm good. But we're not the ego. We're the soul and our soul is all connected. And so when so much of us are desperately miserable and suffering, there's no way any of us have a clear conscious or a really positive experience of life. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, we want to believe that we can have like a happy, great life right now, but that inner wisdom, that subconscious, that higher part of ourself knows, uh uh-uh. Sort of like the un, the unclaimed parts of yourself. It's like as a collective, it's saying, nope, you, you think you can keep going, but you you have to let every single person move forward to really be progressing. And we're not doing that. Yeah. Well, we're definitely, you know, in what I call an evolutionary leap, right? Where you I do definitely think there's some simultaneous things happening, you know, that again are happening for us. And there's different, there's different people on different phases of that journey. And we're all on it. Like no matter what, there's this way that we're all on it right now for probably the first time where we're actually collectively having an experience that no longer can we deny like, oh, it's just happening to me. Yeah, which I think is a great thing because another major epidemic that we have on our planet is loneliness. 
People feel so isolated and so alone because we've also been taught just keep it to yourself. Like whatever you're going through, you talk about that in private with a therapist, but not, you know, in the open. And really when people live communally or tribally or in a village, everybody comes together to support one another. One person is really suffering. They come together to support them and acknowledge it because they understand that your pain is my pain. So it's not just like, oh, good luck with that. It's like, oh, we're all coming together for you. But Mm -hmm. we have such a, you know, separation uh, ideal that we feel like, oh, I need to just suffer in silence and I need to be alone in this. Mm -hmm. So I I do think that's part of the, the shift that's also occurring is acknowledging that we're meant to work communally. We're meant to be connected and, and all doing this together. That's right. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I think, you know, at the very root, if we were to look at the root of our suffering and even disease, it's this illusion that we're separate. Yes. You know? And it's kind of living in this very fractured existence instead of um, really understanding that we have the ability to remember the truth of who we are if we're willing to kind of get out of that comfort zone and have that descent and that all of those things that come up, those ghosts that come to, you know, present to us their case, so to speak, that they're there to be witnessed and blessed so that they can actually become integrated and we can forgive ourselves for having abandoned a part of ourselves. Because when we really think about this, so much of this journey is about coming back to this wounded inner child and saying, I know you did the best you could in a very patriarchal society, right? And I'm talking to a lot of women out there who had to conform. We had to be pretty pleasing and polite in order to survive, you know? And so there were a lot of parts of ourselves that might've been, you know, very self-expressed and very brash and very curious. And we had to put her away or we had to cut parts of her off because she was getting us in trouble all the time, you know? And so we had to choose, is it me or to be belong to my family or to belong to this society? And of course we chose what we chose, but now it's no longer serving us. And there's a little girl every time. In fact, we get triggered. It's that inner child who doesn't feel safe or secure or doesn't feel seen. And she's asking us to remember her. And once we kind of do, and we integrate her back into our being, then we kind of up level and things start to shift. Yeah. Cause then we can move forward with it. Cause like we said, yeah. it's, it's dispelled parts of ourselves. It's, and yeah. what it can, down to it's it's just energy right everything's energy and so when we literally try to disconnect a part of ourselves you can't move forward with the whole thing when you've got all these parts and it's when it all comes together that your full true self is able to emerge and that is a brilliant thing yet it's it is challenging because you know just as you said i think that it is inner child stuff and things happen to us that are so painful we don't want to have to hold it or acknowledge it. And we again, we think the past is the past, it's gone, but energy is infinite. So what happened to us when we were 10 years old is literally still alive with us. It's still just as real as it was when we were 10 because time is an illusion. So it's still just this piece of energy that's, it's like it's been um, 
I don't know what it, it's sort of been like dimmed or something. And all that wants is to be like, welcome back into the hole. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that because when we experience a trauma or something upsetting, we have a, a moment of shame, right? The first time that we are criticized or the first time that somebody says to me and it makes us feel, Oh, I'm not enough and I'm not good. And I'm bad. I did something bad or I'm bad whatever it is, the belief that we hold, that energy is stored, it's kept, and it will just stay there kind of festering like a tumor and holding us back and keeping us from feeling whole. So inner child work, I do that a lot in my work as a therapist, is where you do go back and you acknowledge that person that you were at that age, that energy hold that was created, and you say, I see you. And I want to acknowledge you now. You're not left behind. You're not abandoned. I want to welcome you back in. But it is a process of... Um, identifying, understanding, and then forgiving so that you can finally grieve because those parts that we cut away, we did for a reason. We did for self, you know, to sustain ourselves, right? Because it felt like it was too awful to have as a part of ourselves. So we said, okay, the only way to move forward is to cut it out. So we have to say, we have to identify what happened. And then we have to gain, like you said, an understanding. I did the best that I could. I was so upset. I didn't have the tools to understand that it was okay, that I just made a, you know, I made a mistake or I did the best that I could at that time. So we gain understanding, which allows to forgive ourselves or to forgive whatever happened to us. And, and forgiveness is always the key. It's the key that unlocks our chains. Yeah. Well, and we forget that, you know, this is earth school and we came here to heal, you know? And so it's, it's the world will tenderize us whether we want it to or not, you know, and, and the goal really is to become, to allow that, to allow ourselves to be tenderized, but especially to ourselves, you know, where we become so tender and so related to ourselves that we, you know, that we recognize that it's our own self-compassion and forgiveness and love that we have to give ourselves before we can ever really receive it from anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that is the hardest thing in the world is to give ourselves that compassion and love because, you know, I, I can say from my own experience and I would agree, you know, I think it's seen also by a lot of other people and my clients is that ultimately the person that we're most frustrated and angry with is ourselves a lot of the time even if you know something happened or somebody did something to us it's still me that i'm most angry with because it's like well why weren't you better why did you make that choice why did you do that why couldn't you have just been this or that and to make that peace with yourself is the hardest decision you'll ever make i think because everything else in the world has great external gains, right? If you work really, really hard and you build something, you can make a lot of money and be get notoriety. Okay, great. So it's all externals. But this, again, it's an inside job. So the only person, not, I mean, everyone benefits ultimately, but the way it feels when you do the inner work, it's just for you. Mm. And that's one of the hardest muscles to build is sort of that inner self-worth and self-love because you're the only one you can't. And once you stop trying to get it externally, it's just you. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I always say that it's the hardest thing to do until it's not. And then it actually is just so natural and to hold ourselves to learn that it's also a practice, right. To hold ourselves with this gentle kind of open-handedness instead of this tightly gripped kind of, you know, like, again, I think of that fist, right. That's like war. It's like, this is where the conflict is. It's like, But when we open 
you know, our heart and we open our hand and we just get curious and we just see like it all gets to belong. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I love that phrase. It all gets to belong because this is where we have to recognize that we're both human and divine and that the human part of us can be very messy, can be very complicated, can be very, you know, uh, filled with all these neuroses and fears. And it's like, it's like being able to, again, open our hand and say, I see you, we've got this, you know, just gentle, gentle. And really that it all gets to be here without needing to be, um, without there needing to be shame. And if shame comes into the space, again, curiosity, like what are we ashamed of? Right. And just to get really, really gentle with yourself in that way, when you're on this journey, because once that muscle does get built, it's like, oh my gosh, that is where you start to experience heaven on earth. Yes. Yes. And it, it, it is, it is. And too, I love that you pointed out because I think about this all the time too, is that people were, it's so strange that we have a tendency to mock things like love and compassion. We call it like, Oh, like hippie woo stuff, Touchy feely. which mm-hmm. is so weird. It's just like a weird thing to be like, we're going to mock love. The one, really the one thing there is, everything is love ultimately. And we're going to mock it. That's interesting. To me, that's definitely ego, right? It's just the part of us that's like, oh, well, it's I'm, also, I don't need it's to. It's also a defense mechanism because yeah. underneath that is a wound. Yes. Yep. Yeah. When we're, yeah. Anyone who's trying to criticize or critique that is definitely not, hasn't gotten to those wounds yet. But yeah, but I think about that a lot where you said, it's the hardest thing until it's the easiest. Mm -hmm. And I always think about that. I'm like, we act like it's so impossible to love ourselves, but what's really impossible is the way we are living now. That the way we live now is the hardest way you could ever imagine to live. Again, that is hell. That is hell, by the way. It is, it is. Oh, this is absolutely hell. I think most of us live in hell because hell is conditionality. It's when you're stuck in a place where you say, I cannot be this unless this. Certain things have to happen for me to accept myself, to be loved, to be worthy. None of that is true. It just isn't. But we've devised that. And that is literally hell because then we are imprisoned by these beliefs and only we can set ourselves free, but we think we can't. Misery. (laughs) And that is the hardest way to live. So we act like, well, you know, it's pretty, I, I think it's, I don't like when people say that love is ideal. I think that love is real. It's realism to say Mm -hmm. like, we could all be loving, happy beings because that's our natural state. What is totally unnatural is the way we're living now and is the hardest way to do it. But I think we've just come, it's become second nature that we think, oh, it's just our our resting place is to be discontent and unhappy and to hate ourselves. But we have to actually work really hard to be that mean to ourselves. Well, and also that part of the journey is actually turning our suffering into our greatest gifts. Mm. And that's, that is the journey of transformation, you know, is, you know, I often talk about, you know, my work is in the realm of really disrupting what I call the trance of unworthiness in women. And the trance is all of the conditioning, right? And so the trance can manifest in so many different ways and it can manifest as being at war with our bodies. It can manifest as not taking good care of ourselves. It can manifest as continually sabotaging our own, you know, ability to receive good, 
positive things. It can show up as just our self-talk, the way we speak to ourselves. But it's all like you were saying, Whitney, it's all the conditioning. And if if we don't realize that we've been conditioned, then it, it, it actually is harder. But once we can kind of see that there's a structure by design, especially that it was designed to keep women from knowing our own power, that then we start to say, aha, it's actually not just me. I'm not alone. My gosh, this has been going on for centuries, especially for women. Because when we are not so distracted by our own not enoughness, right? When we actually know our own true sufficiency, just the way we are, meaning I don't have to, I can be both. I can use the sacred and I can be messy and magnificent at the same time. And those two things get to stand together and be true to who I am. And it doesn't diminish any of my brilliance because I'm both. I mean, hello, that's when we start to experience this freedom, this revelation that we are enough, that we are sufficient just the way we are. And this is when the world really begins to change is when women know our own sufficiency, that we are not broken. We are not broken. We are perfect just the way we are. Do we have some shadows to work with? Do we have some inner child work? Yeah. Yes. Part of the journey. We've got this. And when women's, not only when we know we're enough as we are, but when we start saying that's enough, that's when things start to change. I mean, have you ever been in a house where a woman has said that's enough of that, right? Things start to change and it's not until she steps into her power and her own enoughness that things start to change. And that's how we're going to change what's going on in the world is when enough women know their own sufficiency and enoughness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's my whole notion for women waken is literally that idea of women wakening to the understanding of, oh my gosh, I have this brilliant, this incredible power, but also this brilliant light that I've been trying to like contort and like twist to be so that I present a certain way, but I don't have to do any of that. I can just let my true natural gifts and abilities come forth. And it's really just an interesting place we find ourselves because we have just decided that we can't do that. And that we have to try and be perceived and presented and expressed in a certain way. But that's why our our world is the way it is, is because like we said, that one wing of the bird, that other half of the yin and yang is trying to hide itself and keep itself. But when we wake up to the fact of, oh my gosh, I can just be, everything's going to write itself and we're not going to ask for permission anymore. That's what we do. And it, and to me, I'm, I don't, everyone's kind of on a different place with this, but I'm a big believer and I don't believe in forcing things or, or trying to destroy things necessarily in order to create the new. I think, you know, there's a Buckminster Minster floor quote that says, basically, it's not about destroying what is, but creating something new that makes the old obsolete. So That's it's right. just about women. Like we don't have to ask for permission. It's just about us showing up as women. And then once we do new things will be created in a new way. And we're not going to have to get rid of what is, what is will just naturally fall away when something better is offered and brought to the forefront. So I don't right. think it's, it's going to be about, you know, condemning what is or having to destroy. It's just about like something, because once that feminine approach is introduced and that idea that we are actually all free to be who we are and we don't have to live this misery and a life of hell 
everyone's going to be on board. <laughs> They're going to be like, yay, this is, this sounds great. Right. right. And you're not going to have to try and sell it. Anybody on it. It's going to be like returning to ourselves. I think everyone's going to be like, oh my gosh, this is so nice, but it's, and it's starting to happen, but we're not quite there. I don't think we've really broken through enough that it yes. feels like an actuality. I think it still feels like this pie in the sky notion, but like, that's why I was so drawn to the divine feminine. It's just this, this in, innate knowing that I think so many of us have at this time that it is inevitable. It is coming. And we're all a part of that. You know, it's like any analogy you want. It's like a bird trying to get crack out of their egg to be born. It's, you know, that the ax that finally gets the tree down at 10,000 blow. It's that one thing that after a million tries finally opens something up and we're getting close. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, well, I agree. It's a very, it's a very exciting time to be alive and to witness what's happening. Yeah. And I do believe that, you know, we are kind of at this tipping point, you know, where, um, when enough of us kind of awaken, it's, and, and I think we're seeing it right now, just in, in how everybody is showing up in unity around, um, our intolerance of the war that we're seeing. Intolerance, you know, can be a great ally um, when we're kind of past the point where we know, you know, again, if this is the Sophia century, it's the century of wisdom. We've learned that war doesn't work. You know, we've learned that war and the fear of war is not how we want to live. And what we're seeing, I think, is kind of like the... Um, you know, the, just the kind of lashing out of kind of a dying way of, you know, operating in the world, which can, again, be very dramatic. And it is, right? I mean, it can be very scary and dramatic. But again, when I think of all that's been revealed just in the last few years, we're definitely in this quickening, as you say, you know, we are in, and we use that word quickening um, when we talk about a pregnancy and a rebirth, right? And the old, you know, when you do a descent or you have an initiation or you're a snake and you're shedding your skin, there's something that has to let go in order for something new to be reborn or to be born. And so we're really in that time, you know, where um, I think it's Valerie Kaur who says we're, um, you know, really um, in that, in that time of um, darkness. And we might think that we're in the tomb, but we're really in the womb. Yep. Yep. We're gestating. Something new Mm -hmm. is waiting to be born, but birth is painful. (laughs) Giving birth to something new. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that, you know, having to let go of the old self, because yes, we're doing that collectively, but individually that can be so hard and it can feel very nebulous. And also, I mean, all of inner work can, any of the feminine work is nebulous because it's, you know, often the feminine is equated with water. If it was an element, it's the water. And because it's emotional, right? A lot of the inner work is emotional and it's, it's hard to grasp. It's just kind of flowing. And that can be hard to say, well, what, what does it mean to shed my own self? You know, what does Mm -hmm. it mean to let go of things? Where do I let it go? You know, we, you know, we tend to have, and I know I do a masculine perspective, which is like, okay, well, where's like the tangible thing? How can I do this? And this will be done next week and I'll have it on your table by tomorrow and I'll have it done. But this work is like, 
am I making progress? What's happening? It's hard to know because again, so much of the feminine is trust, patience, harmony, balance, all these things that you can't compute or just sort of define in any way other than just it being so. Yes. Yes. and, And also, you know, I think a challenge about changing is recognizing that with any change and anything, releasing anything results in grief. And a lot Mm -hmm. of the, I think the death process is a grief process as well. Because Mm -hmm. even if we're dying to something that we're really over and done with, you know, like where I am, like, I feel like, yeah, yeah, take it. I don't want to be who I was like, fine, bye. Like I'm ready to evolve. But there's more than just my conscious mind. It's my whole body, my whole being that was new being this type of person. And even though it's misery and hell to be chained to certain beliefs into your ego, if it's who you knew you were, then dying to that person is there's going to be grief. You know, I always say that it's just like ending a toxic relationship or an alcoholic who gets sober, you know, I'm in recovery and I, I got sober and, you know, at the end, like drugs and alcohol were not my friend, but I sure miss them. When I let them go, there was grief. There was loss. Even the things that make us most miserable it's, if it's what we knew, there is a detachment. There's a process of that's not who I am anymore. And there's grief to that. And so I would just love to hear, cause I, you know, you do, do such beautiful work in helping people really understand this, this revolution, these revelations they can go through yet when it comes down to it, it's just so hard sometimes. Yeah. Well, in that, I want to point to that for a minute because I do want to, I do want to kind of really surface something here that keeps um, kind of coming up in our, in our conversation, which is the story we tell ourselves, right? Because there's a way that we're really unconscious, I think as human beings, to the story that we we create and recreate. And it's like this background noise or like a soundtrack that gets played in the background of our lives all the time. And what it might sound like is, this is so hard. This is so hard. This is so hard. This is so hard, right? So you get the yeah. idea. And that may be true. And can it also be beautiful? Can it also be freeing and liberating and until we're ready to let go of the this is so hard can we start using the sacred and and when we finally wake up that day where it just doesn't feel that hard anymore right Mm -hmm. can we let that go and create a new story so what you're seeing me do is again gentle it's not about like ripping off the band-aid right even though some people that's the way they want to do it great um but it's really it's it's this it's this process and this practice of allowing and trusting as you, as you so beautifully said, and it's recognizing that we have allies to help us. We don't have to do this alone. That's what we have so many great female coaches out here who are doing this work. And part of this work is re-inhabiting ourselves in in a way that we're not living up here in the it's hard all the time because what we're actually doing is we're re-embodying ourselves and I want to point to this because it's really important most women leave we abandon and disassociate from our bodies usually right when we cross over into maidenhood from childhood because the body is not safe 
we get all these messages in our bodies, all of these signals, as soon as we start to become sexualized and objectified, and that's unavoidable, it doesn't matter what woman you are in this culture, it's, it's unfortunate. But again, I want to point back to that time that you had to disassociate in order to survive. And really point to the fact that to to come back to the body, to start putting our hands over our hearts, to soothe ourselves and say, it's okay, it's okay, right? It's like, I'm here, I'm here, the breath, right? That's an ally. Breathe, you know, is, is understanding that we get, this gets to be messy. It gets to be uncomfortable. It's still okay. We're still okay. We're here, you know, and it's like learning how to talk to ourselves in that really gentle, loving way. And it's not going to, it's just because I'm here in this moment, embodied in this, it doesn't mean that the second I hit a trigger, I'm not going to leave, right? But it's coaxing myself back. It's practicing staying when things get difficult, staying with myself, not abandoning myself and starting to actually speak aligned with myself, right? And again, all of these systems in our body, I want to point to the fact that as women, we've been taught not to go here because the feminine is messy. Okay. Now, now just stay with me on this. What I mean by that is our emotions, our intuition, our sexuality, we've been taught that it's messy, it's unreliable, it's frivolous, it's this, it's that. We've been taught not to, not to go there. And the reason we've been taught not to go there is that's exactly where we need to go because that's where our power is. Mm. And so how do we do it? Well, it doesn't happen overnight. We do it a step at a time. And we do it a lot of times in community because so much of a woman's journey, and I'm not talking about the way that we were socialized to be together because that is just more patriarchal bullshit where we were taught to compare. We were taught to envy each other. We were taught to compete. We were taught to gossip. We were taught to be threatened. No, no, no. I'm talking about women who are practicing this work in a new context, which is about witnessing, which is about celebrating, which is about listening. And it's about recognizing that we're not here to fix each other. We're here to just hold space for each other. And we're here to celebrate each other. And we're here to see each other. And so I don't have to one-up you or correct you or fix you or put you down in order to be better, right? And so again, there's so much shifting that has to happen. And it's happening. And we can all do it. And it's really just that it's like, okay, where do you want to start today? And really learning to recognize, because as a coach, I will often have, um, you know, let's say somebody that I'm coaching, she might say, okay, what's next? Right. And, and I could say, well, what, what do you think? What's, what's next? Cause we think other people have our answers, but we actually have our answers. We've just never been 
given the opportunity to listen to our own answers. We know our own answers, but we keep going out there, right? To, to find our answers, but they're not out there. They're in here. So to have a woman who's like going to hold you and just ask you questions and listen so you can hear yourself. And that's how we become that's how we become who we're meant to be is when we start recognizing, oh my God, I just heard myself. Like I just figured out the answer to my own challenge or my own problem. Like, oh my gosh, that was beautiful. That was, and we start to call and declare things beautiful that we never thought were beautiful before. Mm. Right. Cause we were never, we were never taught the proper context mm. And how to be in right relationship. So again, there's the illusion. And then there's the way that we get to recreate and re-narrate the story of how. And, and just because it's, and this is the beauty of it too, is that Whitney's story is not Monica's story, is not Marcy's story, is not Susan's story. We each have our own story to tell. And part of this journey is about learning what is my unique story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I talk about a lot is, you know, the day that the world really lights up was when everyone recognizes that they have a very specific, unique light to be shown. They're very, that only they can offer the world and everything changes then because I think another thing that's sweeping, you know, our world with, with misery is that so many of us think not me, I have nothing. I have nothing. And again, it's so ironic because it keeps us in this exhausting, miserable, hunched over state of just depressed and feeling worthless that is so taxing and exhausting. But the most effortless thing is to just open and recognize, oh, I can, you know, let this unique light shine. And we do, we, I've had a lot of speaking coaches and writing coaches on the show who will talk about everybody has a story. You've, you've lived a life, you know, you've, you, you haven't done nothing for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You know, you, everyone has a story that's worth hearing because everyone's story is a little different, just like you said, and they have something profound and personal that they can share that no one else can quite share. And that's, I, I work a lot with people on trauma and healing from trauma and the beautiful part of healing from trauma is it becomes, you know, sort of this gem that once it's, you know, been seen and cultivated, it, it really shines its beauty because it's a lived, survived experience that only you, you can only know when you experience it. You know, we can try and help people all day on matters that we know nothing about by just comforting, but when we know it, then we can really speak to it. And right. that's where the power comes. And I find that comforting for me and to ensure others that the hardest things that will ever happen to us will be our greatest assets because it's the most powerful thing that that's we can right. ever offer. When we say, I know that I've been through a dark night of the soul. I was there. I've been to those depths where you think that there's no coming up and you're going to be underwater forever. But that's then right. what changes is your perspective and your understanding. And all of a sudden you realize you're not underwater at all. You're right. You're in the, you're in the womb. It seems like underwater, but you're just about to, and then you're birthed. Right. Yeah. And I also love, I love, I love what you're saying. And I want to point to, you know, it's true for me that before I kind of got, got into this practice that I was one of those women that was very cynical, resigned, and I had um, 
It was almost like this apathy, right? Which apathy is something that I find a lot of, that's how a lot of people have survived actually, is in this really apathetic space where it feels really weighty. It's very, very, it's like a close cousin to depression. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of hangs out like a wet wool blanket kind of on your heart. You know, it's like this really, you know, kind of like stifling stifling feeling on your chest. And Mm -hmm. And what that is to the, to our listeners, because this is where, you know, it, it's like that won't last forever, but what's in the way is feeling that wants to come up and out. And, and it's almost like the feeling that is pushed down and it's clogging your energetic pipes. And so it's, it's literally like your energy isn't flowing through your channels because it's stuck. It's stagnant energy. Mm -hmm. And that's what that apathy is. And so I would invite you, if you feel that, if you feel any resonance with what I just said Mm -hmm. is that's where there's some blocked emotion and it's okay. We all have the blocked emotion, but at some point we have to release it in order to kind of become reconnected with our true vitality and it doesn't happen overnight but it does happen yeah what do you offer people monica in your work because you know you are a a coach you're an advocate for the full actual actualization of women which is remarkable yet again that those depths can feel so deep when someone's really in that trance of unworthiness. It can Mm -hmm. feel like just, that's just what is, and there's no way out of this maze. And so what do you offer people? And also when they are in that place of that blocked emotion where it's, they just feel, I don't have no idea how to unblock this. You know, I, I don't know how to work through this emotion. It's just going to be here forever. And I'm always going to feel unworthy. Cause I know for me, you know, low self-esteem and unworthiness, sometimes it feels like it's like bone deep feels like it's just yeah. you're you're what you're made of it's like i'll never break free from this it just feels so heavy like you said that blade it's just like um this heaviness that we've come cuz day in day out if we've told ourselves these things it's it is you know it's energetically very strong and so to dissipate that and move through that break through that can feel like a herculean task right yes absolutely well okay so a couple things so one is um i I'm not offering coaching circles right now, but that would be one thing that I would say to your women listeners is to either find a coach like Whitney, right? Um, Or to find a circle of women who are practicing this type of work together. And um, some of these circles, what's so brilliant about it is when they're small and intimate and you're able to really understand, first of all, I'm not alone. Second of all, you're able to witness and celebrate and really recontextualize how women um, are capable of being together in sisterhood. There's nothing more inspiring. There's nothing more beautiful and life-giving as that. Honestly, it's like it changes everything. The second thing I would say is I offer a podcast just like Whitney. Um, I have a podcast called The Revelation Project. I say that life is a revelation project and we're all doing our own revelation project. And oftentimes, you know, just listening to an episode or two, you know, uh, just like Whitney's podcast, it just, it gives you just that ability to kind of have your own revelation in that moment. And every time you're having a revelation that applies to your own life, you're doing your healing work, you know, but if you want to kind of speed that up, then working one-on-one with a coach is always a great way to do it. 
And soon I'll be coaching again. In the meantime, I've been in the process of writing a book so that, you know, women can do their own revelation project at their own pace and use some of the tools that I've cultivated. But one thing that I would say is that I've created a bill of rights and also a resource guide, which your um, listeners are welcome to download as a free gift. Um, The Bill of Rights for Women is something that I wrote for myself. And um, I get the chills every time I talk about it, just because I don't think any of us really realize how many of our rights we have given up like this one. I have the right to fire myself from a job that's just the job, right? I have the right to choose myself again and again for opportunities, right? I have the right to fail and as many times as I need to. I have the right to be messy and magnificent, right? So these ways that like we just forget. I like I have the right. I have the right to speak my truth and have it not land, you know, like in a room. It's okay. It's not their truth. It's my truth. Right? Like I have the right to be different. I have the right to be unique. I have the right to have my feelings. I have the right to not be okay today. Right? So it's like playing with this idea of like, well, wait a minute. And you can print my rights and you can write your own rights and pin them up on your wall to remind you every day. Because that's what I did. Like there was honestly a period of time where... In order to integrate this for myself, I had to be so aware, almost like vigilant. What am I telling myself right now? And then disrupt it, like catch myself in that moment. It's like, I'm not being kind to myself. And I used to envision actually this Monica who was more of a sage who would come in between like the Monica who was trying her best and the Monica who was abusive and be like, whoa, 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 you know, and, and the Monica, you know, that was the sage would kind of like, I would imagine her coming in and having a talk with the abusive one, you know, and just like, it's just whatever it looks like for you. But it's so powerful. And then the the resource guide is what I call the trance buster. And it's really just a guide with tons of resources and books for women to really look through and see what resonates for them. It has movies, podcasts, all kinds of great things on it that is all about what we're talking about today. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. That sounds amazing. Congratulations on working on your book and putting that out there. Thank you. That's incredible because... You know, books are, I think, the hardest thing in the world. I, I've started a few books and it's just, oh my goodness, trying to put that. It's a, it's a very large feat, but it's so worth it because once it's put together and whoo, then it's out there and it's just a gift to the world that just keeps giving. It's just, it's just out there and so many people can benefit from it. It's like this produced, you know, it's, you, again, it's a, something that you gave birth to. It's gestated, oh. very hard, difficult labor process. And then out it is in the world for a lifetime to, to be used. So congratulations on that. And thank, thank you. you for writing that because it's so needed at this time. I mean, the more information and guidance that, and I think this in particular, there's, there can't be enough of this because again, speaking from where I am now at this, this sort of difficult place, those moments can get so dark and you feel like there is no hope and there's no way to get away, you know, to get back into that higher mind or, you know, to get back into that, that positive place to, to have that unconditional self acceptance can feel like a loss. And we need that thing that we can keep reconnecting to. 
Right. And I think it's so important for people to know that, that it's a part of the process is a falling, you know, a fall, that feeling that you're just, you're falling away because you are falling, you're falling from what you knew you're falling from what you thought was true about yourself and who you are. And through this journey, I came across this quote that said, um, essentially it was something to, to the effect of you have to allow yourself to fall because you have to fall in order to fly. You know, and it's true. Like, it's not like, let's say you were a bird and you thought you could only walk around. And it wasn't until you jumped off a cliff that you're like, oh, shoot, what can I do? And then you realize you have wings. It's kind of a silly analogy, but you think about it, like sometimes you do have to fall to realize that you could ever fly. And most of us, it's the same thing as saying, we don't know our light. We don't know that we can fly, that we're meant to fly. We're meant to soar. We're meant to do great things, but we don't know because we never test out our wings. We don't even let them come out because we don't think we have them. And Whitney, we forget to ask, right? That when we're in the free fall, we get to ask like our guides, our angels, our, we don't have to, like, we forget there's the world that the physical world, the visible world we can see. And there's this whole other world that we have access to. We can't see it, but just because we can't see the wind, it doesn't mean it's not there, you know? And we, we, have so much to start to trust about the fact that we we know a fraction right of of what is available to us and that's the beauty that i've discovered doing my own revelation project is that my trust and my faith now is so strong and i am the daughter of a nun and i grew up catholic and i'm still recovering okay wait how did a nun have kids because she <laughs> left the convent she fell in love with Aww. the with with my father who was a surgeon they were she was his scrub nurse but she was also a nun and she left the convent and married my father but you know i'm you can only imagine how conditioned right she was wow. Wow. and then i i never belonged in the Catholic church. And so when I talk about prayer and faith, like it's not from that context, it's not from that patriarchalized religion place. What I'm talking about is again, the, the world that they don't want us to discover, right? Because they love I'm like, who's they, right? The matrix, the energy that wants to keep us unconscious, keep us in the trance. There is a matrix that kind of wants to keep us all, you know, believing that we're not worthy because when we're, when we're fully empowered, we can no longer be enslaved to do the work of all these, you know, other people and for other reasons, right. Than for ourselves and for the goodness of the world. Yeah. So it really is about disrupting the trance and really it is about recognizing that we have all of these invisible allies at our fingertips and we have visible allies at our fingertips. We just have to first uncondition, unbecome so that we can start to trust those energies because again, it's, it's, you know, to have been conditioned to this extent, again, it's not a journey for the faint of heart, but I would say it's the most amazing journey you'll ever take. And it's filled with magic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so many things you just said that I want to speak to. Um, One is just that vision of the Phoenix is that once, and it's like, we all, we don't see that it's like right next to us. Like this whole, like taking off as the Phoenix is like literally like right on the, just on the other side of this thing that we're so this precipice that we're on right now, but we're afraid to jump because we might fall. And I was thinking, you know, it's also because 
when you speak of the unseen, that which is unseen, we live in this tiny little fragment of what reality is, but Mm -hmm. we want to stay there because it feels safe. Ironically, Mm -hmm. it's a prison. If you keep yourself in in a box because it's safe, you're also stuck in a box. And that's Mm -hmm. where we are. So we're like, no, no, no. These are the parameters of life. These are the parameters of reality, of everything that we know. And we stay within this. But we have to ask, well, what's beyond that? And I think there's more. Well, there absolutely is more because the university, university, the universe, which is a university, mm-hmm. is infinite. It's infinite. And so we're on the precipice of breaking out of this small little box that is the matrix that, yes, we can, you know, we can call it they, but we are they. You know, mm-hmm. we all play into this matrix because we want it. We in a That's way right. we're like, yeah, but it's what it's our reality. This you're supposed to, you know, wake up and work all day and grow up and go to and we live in this parameter, but you know, we're starting to think. Is that all there is? Is that like, is there, is there like a contract with the universe that says like, oh, this is what life is. And you have to No, we created it and we can break out of it. And that is what's happening right now. And that's where break out. And that's where telling the new story gets really powerful Yes, because that we're creators. And so if we're living in a story that's about limitation and separation and we're not conscious of it and we keep telling that story, as soon as we start telling the new story about expansion and magic and mystery and wonder and right, like then we're like, oh my gosh, like I, how did I you're talking to somebody that used to be like, have suicidal ideation. Like I didn't know that the, that life could get this good. Like I, now I'm playing a different game because I'm telling a different story. Oh, I love that Monica. That's so inspiring. So refreshing. Just what I needed to hear today. I hope it's what lots of listeners needed to hear because it does, you know, that darkest place, like they say, it's always darkest before the dawn. You think that life is over right before it's about to start a whole new chapter, but you are, you are dying. You are dying to what you knew, but it still feels like death. Even if it's bringing you just a transition to a new phase, it's scary. And it feels terrible. It feels like nothing is happening. And then all of a sudden there's that, the light and a new. Yeah. And how about this? You're not dying. You're awakening Mm because it sometimes can feel the same. Thank you. That's so true. That's so true. I, I've been working with with a coach and she actually shared that with me when I shared about, you know, my, you know, this dark night of the soul and all that. And she said, I think it's also an awakening. And I, mm-hmm. you know, even though I'm very spiritually inclined, I hadn't let myself think that because in a way, like you think of awakening, you're like, oh, enlightened. And, and, you know, I still tend to play it small. So it's like, no, I'm just having a hard time. It's like, no, you're awakening to a new mm-hmm. experience. You're, you're evolving. This is a, you know, and I think that's, good to hear because it's that's definitely a more positive connotation than you know just a depressive spiral <laughs> you know and if i'm lucky i'll go through these again and again right oh, and you will and, but they do that's get life. easier that's the other thing is like that they get more gentle and they get easier i think maybe this is a real big one for you wit you know like maybe it's just like right there's there's like again back to like whatever's on the other side of this it's almost like they're equal, you know, sometimes for as kind of hard as it is on the one side, it's to equal measure. Amazing. When you get to the other side. Yeah. 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 So. And I, I feel that and looking at you and hearing you, Monica, I see it. 
And I think mm, I see it. This could be good. <laughs> this is good. Cause you're now you're in that light and you're, you have that freedom. You know, that's what I always say is my, my keyword. If I have one word, it's freedom because all this work that we do is to liberate and free people so that they are having that full expression of themselves, of their light, of their gifts. They're no longer chained to these false notions about who they are and what they can be. It's limitless. And freedom is the best feeling in the world. You know, we get it here and there. It's that feeling, you know, where your heart opens and you open, you're no longer afraid of life and trying to block life, or you're no longer trying to, you know, keep life and and you don't think you have enough. And so you try to guard it. And we think that that keeps us powerful, but it keeps us so miserable to be, you know, in this insufficient mindset. But it's when we realize there's infinite abundance, everything that we need source, we start to give and that's when we really feel our power because you never really know how powerful you are until you give it away. You're like, oh, this is what I got. Look at what I got. I'm giving it for days, you know, a huge well of this to offer and there's no end to it. So, and that's the best feeling, you know, to give, we realize, but we, we're still kind of stuck in that, in that adolescent mindset of I, I need, what am I getting? What am I getting? And it's because like you said, we're all still just little kids walking around like, well, I never got this. And I still, mm-hmm. and you know, for, and I'm not, I, I say that in a joking term, but I'm not mocking it because it's very real. You know, that oh yeah kid that we were, that was hurt very much felt that they deserve something that they didn't get. And, you know, as we might brush it off, but it's, we carry it with us for a reason because here we are in a sea of people and it can feel like, well, what about me? Do I matter? And that's just it, Whitney. It's like, we all have a wound. And the reason that we have a wound is because it's a disguised gift. We got the parents we got, you know, a lot of people don't like to hear this, but we got the parents we got. Signed up for it. Well, and it's, it's like, we got the parents we got by design because they had the exact makeup for what we needed for our core wound so that we could learn how to find the gift within it. And that that same gift that is in that wound is actually the gift that becomes what we give the world, what we bring the world. But part of revealing it right? And healing it is feeling it and really going back there and integrating with it and dancing with it and kind of like contemplating it. And it will reveal its own gift. You don't even have to work at it, actually. It will reveal it. It will be like a latch on a hidden door. If you just dare to be with it long enough, it'll just pop open and you'll see like, and you'll have a revelation and you'll realize in that moment of healing, like, oh, this is this is amazing and this is the part where we realign and I always say when we align we are divine but we have to first find our missing pieces in order to align and it's by going back before we can go forward and that you know for some people it might be just a little back for some people it may be all the way back but it's not going to last forever it's just a part of that journey of remembering and then we move forward with a new story yep wow that is so phenomenal for you to say that monica and i appreciate that because what just came to me is I think that one of the hardest things that we can go through when we're in this, you know, this final rage against the ego, this fight with the ego, I think the hardest thing I know for me to make peace with is those little pieces that we decide not, not that, that had no reason. Why did that have to happen? I know that did not happen for a reason. There was nothing there. I'm, I did the wrong thing or that was unfair. 
But just what you said, it, it literally is that every single pain that we've experienced is there to create this alchemy of understanding that becomes this gift are. And we, again, like you said, we, we signed up for these for a reason there, there's nothing in the universe without reason. And I think another definition of hell could be pain without purpose mm-hmm. is believing that I suffered for nothing. You know, mm-hmm. this could have been avoided. I didn't have to, and people will, will, you know, go to their graves, just re- having, Oh, they will die on that hill. They'll mm-hmm. die on that hill of this. Why this, why me? Why yeah. did, if I just had done this differently, or if that just hadn't happened, if I could you know, and I've been in that place and it's a terrible place to be where I go back and it's almost trying to like bargain with the past. Like, well, maybe I could like, if I could have just as if like, there's some, you can't change the past, but it feels that way. Like I, maybe I could just somehow like manipulate and I could have changed my time track. But to hear you say that reminds me that everything, everything was for a greater understanding. It's kind of like, if we're trying to get from like third grade to fourth grade, we can't just like sidestep certain tests and like, be like, cool, I made it. They're going to be like, no, you got to go back and repeat third grade. But when we're having those tests, it's like, really, did I have to have this one? Like, is this a part of it? And I guess the answer is yes, because without that experience, it added something to the alchemy of your, you know, your life that's creating this beautiful outcome. That's right. And that's in, inspiring to hear because then it allows us to even the, the most challenging events to swallow where it's like, oh, I just wish that that hadn't happened. I wish right. that wasn't a part of my story. But then I'm able to say, I know that eventually one day I'll be grateful for it because I wouldn't be the person I am today. And I wouldn't be able to offer what I can without that special ingredient. That's right. To my story. That's right. Yeah. So thank you for reminding us of that and illuminating that because it's so, so I hope that everybody hears that so clearly that whatever it is that you're grappling over having trouble accepting that we all have been there and we all have those things that we just wish that we could just change that one thing yet. That one thing might be the greatest thing. It might be the key that actually, you know, ignites that, that fuel, that fire. So mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Monica, thank you so much for everything you brought. This has been an amazing discussion. I would, oh, thank you. I've enjoyed like it so much. Talk on and on with you. And Monica, if people would like to learn more about you, they'd like to check out your book when it comes out and get on your, you know, your email list, how can they find you? Yeah. So you can go to jointherevelation.com. And I'm also at Revelation Woman on either Facebook or Instagram. Um, and you can check out the Revelation Project podcast, um, which, you know, I think it's been a little over two years. So I think I have about oh. 116 episodes in the oh bank. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That's fantastic. I, mean, I think yeah. you're like 37. So, oh, yay. That's, I mean, I know what it's like to put this out. So it's a, it's a commitment and I'm honored to have been a guest on the show. Thank you. And thank you so much to your listeners for just being here. And I hope to see more of you. And I always say this, but I, I'm going to invite all of you to start saying it, which is more to be revealed, right? Because if, as, if we can, again, like open our hands to life and just realize we don't need all the answers part of life is actually, it's not about like figuring it all out. It's about living in the mystery and the wonder of life. And so more to be revealed, Whitney, I hope we get a chance to talk again. And yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. 
make it happen. And thank you again, Monica. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your International Women's Day, as I hope everybody does. And knowing that it's not just about women, it's that feminine energy. It's embracing that part of us that knows that we are always of and deserving of unconditional acceptance, love, and embrace. And that that is true freedom and our true natural state that we will return to. And so if anybody needs help in that journey, um, you found some resources in myself and Monica and be keep on the lookout because we're out there and we're all coming together. You know, I feel I've definitely, as I've started to speak on these notions, I've just been connected with the most incredible people who also same. have the same calling and we're all in this together. So yeah. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you, Monica. Take care. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guests. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.